0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, Margaret Feinberg wants you to taste and see
1: because they know that it is that rock, that stone, that difficult area that will force the roots to go deep, for those grapes to attain flavors and layers that they could not otherwise. And I don't know about you guys, but I know I have stones and I have rocks in my life. I I have those places like you do where I have cried out to Jesus, if not one, if not a dozen, a hundred or a thousand times.
2: Welcome to Life Today. I am Randy Robinson. Sheila Walsh is with me as always. And we have a friend of ours today. Miss Margaret Feinberg is here, and she brought some goodies.
3: Yeah, this book. The minute I saw the word taste, I was like, <laughs> book her immediately. Um, so, Taste and See Discovering God Among Butchers, Bakers, and Fresh Food Makers. Welcome, Margaret Feinstein. <laughs> Feinberg. <She said> Feinstein. <laughs> I just called you Margaret (laughs) Feinstein. That's my Jewish cousin. (laughs) (laughs) This is an intriguing title for a book. What led to this whole adventure? Mm. You know, I I love food. I think you love you have all you and I shared many a meal. Yes. Yes,
1: and I really wanted to understand food in the Bible. And so I started looking at food in the scripture. And what I began to discover is it literally pops and sizzles on almost every page. (laughs) And so I zeroed in on six different foods. And I began to look for the people who plant and process and procure them and spend time with them. And this adventure of diving into scripture led me to go fish in the Galilee, to pluck figs in Croatia, to travel to California, to... um, to 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 pick figs, to go to Yale University to bake bread with an expert on ancient grains. Kind of so kind of sounds much.
2: like an excuse wow. to eat and travel, if you yeah. ask me.
1: You know, I might have gained 15 pounds <laughs> writing this book. 15 glorious
3: pounds.
2: <laughs> you you brought some things.
3: Yeah, I noticed. I mean, yeah. I'm just well, going go to go to the cookies, I know. Right. Other than the cookies. Oh, I'm but, ignore that wanna, part. I'm just looking at the plate of cookies you wanna go here. You want the cookies? So, right. what? what do these have to do with your book? Yeah. So of the foods
1: that I looked at, one of them was salt. I actually went 410 feet down into a salt mine. And so those are a dark chocolate sea salt cookie with walnuts and they're gluten free.
2: Are you gonna get? Her? So of I, am. I told her wait until the end of the program. But there she goes. <laughs> what yes. woman is gonna
3: sit okay. with a plate it's of cookies in front of the whole program and not try them? <laughs> After all, how do you what do you think? Actually, really good. Are they good? So but talk about the whole salt thing, because I found yeah. that fascinating.
1: So I thought, you know what, if I'm gonna taste and see, we've gotta have recipes in the book. And this is one of them. There's so many more. But when I went 410 feet down into a salt mine, I realized that all of the salt that I always thought of kind of looked like this. It looked like the table salt. And I thought, if I really want to understand the words of Jesus, that you are the salt of the earth, Mm. I wanted to see what he was talking about. And so I descended 410 feet down into a salt mine in Redmond, Utah, into the Redmond salt mine. And what I discovered is that salt is not like this, this is like a chemically altered since 1924 fortified with iodine kind of. Really? Yeah, salt. But salt is always hewn with its natural minerals. And so when I descended into the salt mine, I didn't see bright white. I actually saw these incredibly rich colors and the brown comes from the magnesium and the red comes from the iron. And when this is ground up, it looks like a pink Himalayan salt. Mm. And it is so incredibly gorgeous when the lights reflect off of it. Why that's significant is because when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he was never talking about this. Whether it came from the Dead Sea or the Mediterranean Sea or from the salt mines in Israel, it was always hewn with its natural surrounding minerals. Just as you and I have been hewn by God, we've been pulled out with our unique backgrounds, our personalities, our strengths, our weaknesses, our quirks. And he wants to use all of that as he pours us out as the salt of the earth. And and I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but it's tempting to want to hide our darker areas kind of like this and yet what I discovered in the salt mine is it's actually these darker areas that the chefs love the most because they bring out the higher and the lower notes Mm. in the meals that they're preparing. Just like when I know you've passionately shared about your struggle with depression or I've shared about my battle with an aggressive form of cancer, a lot of times we are tempted to hide back our darker areas of our life thinking that there's shame or there's pain and yet that is the exact thing. that God. God wants to use in our life to bring forth His glory and spread us out. Wow, that's in the powerful, kingdom. Margaret.
3: Yeah, yeah, it really is. So tell us about one of your other
1: adventures. Ooh, goodness, there were so many. Uh, one of my favorites was to go and pluck olives. And that actually took place in Croatia. Why in Croatia? Um, Beautiful there, right? It is absolutely gorgeous. A missionary happened to invite me over and she and her family needed help bringing in their olives. So they wow. lived so remote that her parents didn't have electricity. And I remember going out to, to pick the olives and we climbed in this jelly bean sized car and drove to the back into these remote mountains. And we had two tools and that was a white pail and a blue tarp. And we would go up and we would pick the olives and we'd reach up the branch and massage them until the olives dropped either into the pale or if we missed they would fall on the blue tarp but we would still gather them and what was incredible was that after picking olives for 10 hours a day and you get scratches and you get little cuts on your hands and your arms would be sore and your lower back I would come home and it would look like my hands had been at a world-class spa all day really and that's because God created the olive with antioxidant antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties. Wow. And so when you start to look at olives in the scripture, you remember that that's the oil of it was used to anoint the kings and the priests who were meant to bring healing to the land. Oh, wow. We remember that when Jesus Christ came that he was called the anointed one, the Messiah, literally dripping with olive oil. And on the night of his um, arrest. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of the Olive Press. And just as in that place, the olives were pressed down, and they would writhe and wrestle underneath that weight, and the oil would drip out. Here is Christ, the very Messiah, writhing and wrestling mm-hmm. under the anxiety and the, the, the brutality of the cross until blood drips out of him. Mm-hmm. And yet, in that place, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Mm-hmm. And he goes forward, and he He endures the cross, and he rises up three days later later, with resurrection power in his wings.
2: The ultimate healing.
1: He does, and so we should not be surprised that in James chapter 5, it describes that when we are sick, and whether that is emotional, whether that is physical, or whether that is spiritual, that we are called to go to the elders of the church and to have them pray for us, but to have them anoint us with oil. And I think that speaks to just how how much Christ wants to heal us. That he is one who no matter what our infirmity, no matter what our pain, no matter what our loss, he rises time and time again with resurrection healing in his wings. And what I've seen in my own life and in my own struggles, and you know the Sheila, from my battle with cancer and the chronic pain that I was left with, that even in those areas where maybe God is not healing you in one area, it it does not mean that he is not healing you in 10,000 others.
3: You talk about fishing in Galilee. What was that experience like? Mm. That had to be quite remarkable. You know, I had an incredible host by the name of Edo
1: who had some friends who were fishermen. And we went out on their boat and we laid the net, and it, and it was during the day. And what was interesting is we laid the net, and these were experienced fishermen. These were people who had been fishing on the Galilee for 38 years. And as we laid the net and we went through and we waited, we, we barely caught a handful of fish. And what I learned is that in the Gospels, often we would see Jesus going to the disciples and telling them to put their net on the other side of the boat. And I never realized that that was layered miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Because when Jesus went out and he instructed them to do that, the fishermen, just like the ones I fished with, knew that fish in the Galilee are primarily not caught during the day, they're often caught during the night. And that's why in the Gospels, we constantly see the fishermen coming back in the morning. And and so here they are, they're coming back in the morning and the fish were often caught in the shallows. And yet Jesus says during the day to go out and to cast their net into the deep waters. Mm -hmm. In in antiquity, the the nets were made of linen. So the fish could always see the net. So that's why you would never catch them during Mm -hmm. the day. And so for Christ to do this, to experience fishermen, I mean, you can just picture the disciples going, this has got to be the craziest thing I've ever been asked to do. This is not how you catch fish (laughs) in the Galilee. And yet they go out. And all of a sudden their nets on multiple occasions are busting at the seams. And We start to see in our own lives those times when we get that leading and that nudge from the Holy Spirit to go do something that seems so counterintuitive, to go talk to that person, to go give that gift, to reach out and serve in that area where we tell ourselves, we don't have any talents, we don't have any gifts. Not realizing that that may be the very place that God wants to work a mighty miracle, not not just in our lives, but in the lives of around us. And just like the fishermen, for stories that they will tell for years to come of the goodness and the power of our God.
2: It seems like listening to you and, and reading your book myself some, that your interest in, in food and some of the properties and the things, because you're, you're the one that walks around your neighborhood and picks fruit off your neighbor's vines with their permission. <laughs> So, so you don't just go for a walk for exercise. You, you come back with dinner, right? Which is great. But in doing that, it's, it's like the parables and a lot of the passages in the Bible, which do reference food. They, they sort of come alive in, into a deeper meaning. And I think the reason that the Bible uses those terms is to relate to the people that the Bible was written for in that time. And sometimes I think by getting away from that, by using our salt and the shaker, We've lost a little bit of the the connection and some of the meaning. Mm-hmm. Did you find that as you studied the scriptures and the food, as you used as that as an excuse to travel the world, um, that, that the meaning really sort of became? layered and layered and and new and fresh.
1: It did. You know, one of my favorites comes from John 15 and the invitation of Christ that we would be people who abide in him. And I never realized that, you know, it's not just about the grape remaining connected to the vine or the vine to the branch and those connection points are so deep in, but it's actually what's going on beneath the soil because I always thought that to grow really great grapes, I need the lush, rich soil. Mm -hmm. And a vintner taught me that actually what you need is rocky, difficult soil really and that if you want to grow world-class grapes that there are some vintners who will go out and they will Inspect the vines and they will take a rock they will take a stone They will take that difficult area and they will place it next to the vine because they know that it is that rock that stone That difficult area that will force the roots to go deep for those grapes to attain flavors and layers that they could not Otherwise, Really, and I don't know about you guys, but I know I have stones and I have rocks in my life I I have those places like you do where I have cried out to Jesus, if not one, if not a dozen, a hundred, or a thousand times, God, will you just take that away? And it does not budge. And it is like in those moments, the Holy Spirit says, Do you not know? Have you not heard that that stone, that rock, that difficult area, it is the very thing that I will use to produce the flavor of my son, Jesus Christ? in you. Mm. And so when we start to dig into the scriptures and these food references, we discover that there is so much more richness mm-hmm. in what God and Christ have been communicating to all of us.
3: <laughs> what kind of feedback have you been getting? from this book, mm.
1: It has been so encouraging. People who have grown up in the church and read the Bible their whole lives, having the scripture come alive in a yeah. whole way, yeah. new way. But what I'm loving is how many people, along with the Bible study, are opening up their homes to people who maybe are just in their own space and their spiritual journeys and saying, hey, would you like to come over and talk about food <laughs> and spirituality? And all of a sudden, people are coming together in their homes and, and opening up new avenues of conversation and sharing their faith because it's so Oh, Non-threatening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one thing to say, "Would you like to come over and study the Book of Deuteronomy?"
3: Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, not a big winner. No, no, yeah.
1: no. Nope, nope. But if you say, "Hey, do you want to come over for some appetizers? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about spirituality and, and food," and mm-hmm. people, "Yes, yes, sign me up." <laughs> and, and so to see this, 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 this growth of people sharing their faith and being equipped to do it, it is incredible. And then the other is, you know, at the end of every chapter, there are these activities that families can do around mm-hmm. the home, and they're so fun. So, for instance, back to the one with. The Olives. Uh, you know, at the end of a meal and kind of talking about these rich lessons about olives and olive passages in scripture, taking the olive oil and each person just dipping a, a finger in and then just sharing one area in their life. Maybe it's physical or it's emotional or it's financial where they most need healing. Wow. And then everybody around the table praying for each other. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, That's or, powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or like with the fishing on the Galilee, recognizing that if you stand at the Galilee, there are certain places you can stand and you look around that lake and you can see place after place where Christ did miracle after miracle, where he walked on water, where he hushed the storms, where he healed people, where he, he preached the sermons, where he did so many powerful things. And we have the invitation to, to just draw a little map in our lives and start noting the miracles that God has been doing in our life. Because as we start to remember those, it strengthens our faith with the hope that we will experience yet another miracle from God. Because some of us, we are just one day, one prayer, one meeting, one week away from
3: seeing God's power unleashed in our lives. You mentioned your own battle with cancer and the pain. Where are you in your journey, Margaret?
1: Yeah, I'm grateful to say that the numbers are steady, and so things are looking really good. Um, but the damage done to my body is is still present. Um, in the um, a, a lot of burning on one of my lungs, as well as the um, lymphedema and the chronic pain from leftover from the surgeries. And so that is something that I that I wrestle with every day. And some days are easier than others. People who live in chronic pain know that, that some days, you know, you can get by on a scale of one to 10, maybe with a one or a two or a three, but other days it jumps up to a 10 and, and you can't hardly think straight. It's like your emotional wherewithal just, it, it's gone.
2: How, how, do you, how, how do you reconcile that? Because you you just gave us a great mm-hmm. sermon on healing mm-hmm. and, and you talk about the olives and you're talking about praying mm-hmm. for others for healing. But you need some healing, too.
1: I do. How do you
2: how do you yeah. go day to day with that?
1: Yeah. You know what? I cry out for God's healing. Mm-hmm. I ask him to be the healer in my life. I trust him to be the healer in my life. But as I described, there are times we pray for one thing. We want healing here. Mm-hmm. And God is bringing it in 10,000 other areas. Mm-hmm. And even as parts of me physically still hurt, I feel parts of my soul, of my emotions, of the woundedness that, that I experienced as a child and growing up being healed. And so I choose to find the strength to celebrate mm. those healings of mm. God. Because if we're just waiting on one thing that isn't healed, yeah. we will get trapped in disappointment and worse, we will be blinded for the, from the full power and the full unleashing of God's healing that he wants to do. I know there are times I've prayed to God and I've said, God, I want this one thing from you. And I've sensed the Holy Spirit say, Margaret, that is not even in my top 10. Mm That is not even in my top 10. And so in the process of prayer, I think we realign our hearts for what's really important to God, knowing that he is always for us and he always wants our best.
2: You want to say a quick prayer for Margaret?
3: I would love to. I would ask our studio audience here, would you join me? And let's just be grateful for everything that God is sharing with us through Margaret and for you at home too. But let's ask. And if you find yourself in a place where you just need a touch from God, would you allow us the privilege of praying for you? Let's pray. Let's pray take your hand friend Mm. father i want to thank you so much for this sister i want to thank you lord that even as she has pushed through her pain to discover the glory of who you are even of you as you have walked her around so many places in the world and you have unpacked deep truths life changing truths we ask as her brothers and sisters that you would pour back into her life Lord, I pray for your healing hand to touch Margaret, that she would know healing in 10,000 ways as you would want to bring. And I ask that too for our audience watching, for our audience here in the studio. Lord, we are hungry for you. We are thirsty for you. The greatest desire of our heart is to know you more and that our bodies would glorify you. And we ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And remember, if you need us we are here. You can call us anytime. We have an amazing team who stand by ready to pray. But this book is really
2: great. Yeah and Sheila I want am going to tell you how to get this book. It's called Taste and See. And it's it's fun, but it has some real depth and some real value to it spiritually. But you know what it would it would just bless a lot of people including Margaret if everybody would just call and say I want that book because we will send it to you when you participate in our Christmas shoes and smiles. And I know it's early to talk about Christmas, but if you plan now, you won't be like me and you know having to rush ship everything or run to the mall at the last minute. You start now. This would make a great Christmas gift. And what happens when you call and support uh, Christmas Shoes and Smiles, that's an even greater gift. So just take a second and watch this and then we'll be right back to tell you how you can really make a difference and, and bless so many people just by doing one simple thing. Watch this real quick. As we travel around the world, one thing we've noticed is the condition of the feet of so many children. We see children all over the world running around barefoot in some terrible conditions. And it's not just unsightly, it's unhealthy and potentially deadly. As we give shoes, which is a wonderful Christmas gift, keep in mind that we are actually giving them a chance for better health, potentially even saving lives. We are protecting them from some really uh, debilitating diseases, things like hookworm, several things that can happen in their feet. These protect them, so it's it's double. It's a gift to, to give them something they don't have, and it's something to protect their health. Just like the smiles, when we go in and correct a cleft palate, we're not just giving them a cosmetic change, we're actually improving their health. Everything that we do is to improve the health of others physically and spiritually. So join with us as we celebrate the birth of our Savior at Christmas, and we give Christmas shoes and smiles. Hey, little buddy, let's see if we can get this right. You know, it's amazing to see those kids dancing around in those shoes. The joy that a simple pair of shoes brings to them. I know you've seen this, Sheila. What do you think when you go out and you see how a simple gift can make such a big difference?
3: It really is. It's amazing. And I know Randy mentioned that it seems a little early to be talking about Christmas, but the the reason is that we have so many children. Our prayer is that for this Christmas, that we would provide shoes for 150,000 children. Do you know that over the years, You have helped us give shoes for two million children. It's not just a fun thing for Christmas. It can be literally life saving because when their feet are cut and they get all sorts of diseases through their feet, um, but now we can do something. So we're starting early. We want this to be the best Christmas that Life Outreach, Life Today has ever had. We want to get shoes everywhere around the world and we can do it with your help and not only shoes, But, you know, when children are born with cleft lip or cleft palate, in so many cultures, it's seen as a curse. So often those children are not allowed to go to school. They're kept out of society as if they're cursed by God. So we can come during the birth of Christ to say there is no curse because Jesus Christ himself became cursed on a tree so that we can be free. Let's reach out and touch the lives of so many children this Christmas. And let's do it in Jesus name.
2: It's easy to do, that's the wonderful thing. Will you hand me one of
3: those shoes over
2: there, you have a shoe, because I want to show them. Yeah, there you go. Because I want to show you that uh, this this shoe, a pair of these shoes, costs $3.60 to get them on the feet of children that desperately need them. And it's not just a great gift, sometimes it really can be a matter of health, a matter of life and death. But the cost of this is such that 10 pairs of shoes, shoes for 10 children, It's $36, $180 will give shoes to 50 children. And then the surgeries where we we go in and correct the cleft palate and give that child, child not only a reason to smile, but the ability to smile. It's $500 on average with the surgeons we have around the world. Whatever you do, do the best you can and know that when you join in Christmas Shoes and Smiles, you really will be putting a smile on a face of a child around the world. Will you go to the phones or go online? Give the best gift you can and let's make this Christmas extra
0: special. Poverty is a killer and because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we often take for granted like a simple pair of shoes. Far too many children living in extreme poverty have never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections and disease that could lead to crippling consequences and even death. By responding today, you can help immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes, a gift of $72 will provide 20 pair, and a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. As a thank you for your gift of support, be sure to request this beautifully crafted green crystal shoe ornament, a treasure to display at each Christmas. With your gift of $100 or more, you may also request this keepsake boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries, and you may request the beautiful Safe in the Shepherd's Arms bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online today.
4: Little Dewey here is only four months old, but he is one of our latest recipients of Christmas Smiles. He's getting his cleft lip surgery done, and we're here today because today is his big day. Thank you so much for giving a Christmas smile to little Dewey today. I cannot explain fully in words the stories that I hear all around the world of the need for children, boys and girls, just like little Dewey, who need this surgery. So I'm gonna ask you to do this. Find the number on the screen right now. Call that number. Or if you prefer, go online. Whichever gives you the greatest opportunity to give a generous gift to help little boys and girls just like the weed. And you're given a gift that doesn't just last through the season, but it lasts a lifetime. Please give right now.
3: Thank you so much. If the lines are busy, please call back. We want to make this a great Christmas for so many children. And you will love this book. It's not just full of great um, wisdom, great recipes, great ideas for your family, great ideas for your neighbourhood. It's a fantastic book, Margaret. Thank you so much for being our guest. And thank you for writing this delicious book. Thank you for the cookies too. And we want to thank you for being with us here on Live Today. And we will see you next time. God bless you.
0: Discover how you can create a life and future of financial breakthrough and blessing as Sheila Walsh talks to Paul DeYoung tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.